welcome. Welcome to Babby's house. I am so blessed that you have joined me today. I have a great conversation and a wonderful guest who is standing by to talk with us. But first, let me introduce her. She is a phenomenal communicator. She is a success coach for individuals, for business leaders, for church leaders who want to achieve their peak performance, strategically plan for the future, and ultimately create a life and work that they really want. Cornelia is an excellent communicator, highly motivational, and shares specific steps that people can take to organize their life and, and achieve success. She is um, a great communicator, and I'm just so blessed to have Cornelia Shipley as my guest. Now, she's written a brand new book called Design Your Life, How to Create a Meaningful Life, Advance Your Career, and Live Your Dreams. And do we all not want to be in that place? Let me welcome to Babby's house, Cornelia Shipley. Cornelia, it's good to see you, my friend. Welcome to Babby's house. How are you today? I am wonderful, and it is wonderful to, to both see you and be with you today. So thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so excited. Well, to we have to just kind of set the stage that you and I have a history together. We are both from Michigan, and we met many years ago when we were both younger, but I had a concert at, at a church there in Detroit, and you and your family came, and we were able to get to know one another. So today is a sweet reunion and a time yeah. for us to catch up. So let's just jump in and, and catch up on what God is doing in your life. You've written this book called Design Your Life, and immediately I'm in. I'm in on that. And the subtitle is How to Create a Meaningful Life, Advance Your Career, and Live Your Dreams. Now, there are three really powerful statements that you make in the subtitle. So I want us to break that down and start with, uh, you know, designing a meaningful life. But let's start with your life. Is there a part of this book that is personal? What inspired you to write this book? Well, um, as we were talking in the green room before we started today, um, I wrote this book and published it initially in 2014 which was two years after my mother died unexpectedly, five short days after my wedding. And it was interesting because I started the journey of, of thinking about this book in 2003. I was a student studying abroad in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. And I had, I had been sold um, on the fact that Americans had the best life and lifestyle on the planet. And then I went and lived mm -hmm. in Australia and was like, <laughs> um, which is one of the things that global travel exposes you to. It helps you understand, is this really the way you want to be living? And so I started playing around with the ideas that ultimately went into the book then. I hired an editor and agreed that I would start writing the book after my wedding because I was 100% sure I would not be the person, the same person that I was before the wedding day as I would be after. And so we agreed that I would write, start writing the book after the wedding. And five days after my wedding, my mother died. Mm. And one of the things I learned in that moment was that the design of my life worked. And I knew that because in the United States, most people get three days for funeral leave. I was off wow. almost a month. I was off almost a month, which is unheard of in the United States. And sure. my business didn't suffer. My marriage didn't suffer, which was brand new. And so I count it an honor and a privilege to help people sort through what is it going to take for them to live their designed life? And what is it going to take for organizations to get their designed outcomes, right? Because so many times we say, 
I want to achieve whatever it is we want to achieve, but we're not clear about the right designed actions we should be taking to make that happen. Sure. Is it, do you find that in the people that you work with and those that you coach, that sometimes it takes a crisis to, to nudge us out of the comfort zone of our nine to five and, you know, spur us on to pursuing that dream. I know, I know that was the case in my own life because I taught school for a number of years and, you know, out there was that dream of being a, a singer and a songwriter and it, and it took, you know, a whole lot of things, kind of a convergence of a whole lot of things in my life to create a crisis that challenged me to pursue that dream. Do you find that that's, uh, you know, the, the, the fact in a lot of people's lives? Yeah, you, I say it this way. You can either be pushed or you can plan, <laughs> right? Those are the choices. Because For some of us, it takes us to get, it takes a good shove. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, what is, what is your song say? God has another plan, right? And yes. so, so for me, um, I was pushed. I am an accidental entrepreneur. I am 100% clear about that. Um, and, and that happened because my parents got sick. In 2006, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. My father had a stroke, went to sleep, and didn't get medical care for almost 24 hours. Oh now, mind God. you, they both survived those incidents. They're, they're no longer with us, but they both survived those, those medical crises. But I was living 1,500 miles away in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And if you, as a, as a fellow Michigander, know, to get from Albuquerque, New Mexico, back to Detroit takes two very particular flights. And, um, and something happened to my father and there was the potential that I would not have made it back to see him. And at that point I quit my job. I was in the right job. You know, the job that sets you up to be the amazing, have the big, all of that. And right. I, quit. I quit it to come back and take care of my family. On the flip side, you know, what we're seeing right now from a business perspective is that the convergence of politics, healthcare, and social justice has put organizations, both, both religious organizations, churches, spiritual organizations, for-profit, not-for-profit organizations, in the place where they're having to ask the question, if people are our most important asset, how do we create culture and community for people to get work done in ways that support our mission and vision and don't detract from the daily responsibilities. And so what let's does it mean? Let's talk more about that. Um, because yeah. the pan let, let's talk more about that because the pandemic um, in a lot of ways pulled the plug on a you know on ministry, on business, on family. Um, but as we see ourselves working through that and as we create uh, resources to help us get through that, we found that in a lot of cases it did a reboot. Uh, for I know it's done in, in my case as a as a singer as a songwriter even as a uh, a college professor it's it's helped to reset and even reboot another level of ministry and I understand that you're helping churches you're helping pastors uh, you're helping religious organizations find just that right place where they can better serve that community can you talk more about that yeah you know I think pre pre pandemic the conversation I was having with with religious leaders was really about helping them understand the distinction between who comes to church on Sunday, who gives and supports your mission and vision for ministry, 
and the population that might be in crisis that you want to serve. And so as an example, if you if you run a church on the east side of Detroit, where we're both from, and which is economically disenfranchised, and you think that the congregation, those people who show up on Sunday who are in need, are going to be able to fund you being able to service them, that's the wrong model. That's the wrong model. So that was kind of pre-COVID. Those were the conversations we were having. Now right. emerging emerging post-COVID, it's a question of, one, who do you want to minister to globally, right? Yes. Because for the last year, we've all been watching Sunday service on TV or on YouTube or on, you know, Facebook Live. So question number one is, globally, who are you trying to target and reach? Secondarily, if you think about the slogan that used to be in corporate America, act globally, think locally, who are the local lives you want to be reaching? And how, most importantly, do you feel God is calling you to serve in this new season, recognizing that everybody is in a post-traumatic stress state? Yes. And everybody has is now reevaluating what matters most to them. So yes. part of the position of spiritual leaders is about helping people access their ability to be a cause in the matter of their own lives in a way that they've never had to compete to access before. Because now on Sunday morning, if I have everybody from T.D. Jakes and Bishop Woody White and, you know, all of the rest of the really large name pastors I could choose from on Sunday to watch. It's no longer about what is my local church down the street doing? And so you've got to be clear and have a really compelling message that's going to reach the masses in a way that tugs at their heart, causes them to give to your ministry and gives you the economic resources to then go back and reach your local community. And it's sure. something that, Pastors haven't had to deal with before. Absolutely. You know, in order for us to do that, we've, we have to prepare ourselves and um, we have to define our message. We have to hone our skill set. And that's that's where people like you, you know, come in to help us accomplish that. And in, in your book, you talk about those three things. Um, you talk about the, in the title of your book, you talk about, um, you know, a, a, uh, defining your dream and and f defining your goals and preparing yourself and so um, how to create a meaningful life advance your career and live your dreams and it, it seems like in our American um, mindset and I think you, you said it took you traveling abroad to help kind of bring this into focus but in a lot of cases it feels like how to create the meaningful life and advancing your career are like two totally in uh, different poles and particularly when it when we talk about the American dream, because the American dream is so centered around finances. So can you help us get our a meaningful life and advancing our dream on the same page? Absolutely. So I always say to people that they should do what they love with people they love who have their brand of fun. And more often than not, people, one, haven't defined what they love to do. They've gone to school for somebody else. They've, they've, they've taken on a career. My mom or dad said I, I should be a doctor, a lawyer, fill in the blank, right? Yes. So they've, pursued, 
they pursued some education or found themselves in, on some career path that's not their passion. It's not something that they love to do. So the first step in our process is to help people just get really clear about what is meaningful work to you? What actually creates meaning for you as you do your daily work? And then who do you wanna be doing that work with, right? Because oftentimes most people come from a scarcity mindset. So they're looking at jobs and job opportunities from the place of how do I take care of myself? This is the only job available to me, so I'm going to take it. It doesn't matter that the people are toxic. It doesn't matter that, you know, the culture is not a good match for me. So there's no evaluation about who are the people I want to be doing this work with. So there's what I love to do. There's who I love to do it with. And then there's my brand of fun right? You spend eight, 10, 12 hours a day, five, six, seven days a week working with people. You need to make sure that you're doing that in a way that is in alignment with your brand of fun. And more often than not, people's three-legged stool is all out of balance. They're not doing what they like to do. They're not doing it with people that they like, and they're not enjoying themselves. Sure. And we- We know God came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And that formula out of balance does not equal more abundantly. (laughs) You know, you talked a moment ago, you referred to the fact that oftentimes our goals and aspirations are defined by our parents, you know, and and what they want us to aspire toward. You know, their their dream for us is for us to get, you know, a good education, to get a good job. Um, to find a good person to marry, to buy a nice house, a nice car, to have the kids. You know, it's, that's, the, that's the, the goal of a lot of our parents. But the, the, the definition of a dream life um, may not be defined on those terms because a lot of times getting married, you know, buying a house, buying a car means going into debt and assuming a, a, a huge load that we have to carry for a lot of years. So can you define for us what the dream life it is in your terms and in your experience? In, in my world, I tell people, you need to define success for yourself. And my definition of success is to be able to be present in the moment for what matters most in that moment, period. You and know, I was so- watching a, a podcast last night and you were talking with another interviewer about this and you had kind of an, a cathartic, an, an aha moment, I think in Australia one day when uh, a, a lady who I think you were working with took a two hour lunch and uh, went down to the beach to go swimming and you saw something that you hadn't seen before here in America. Can you, can you talk about that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do know what you're talking about. I think I actually think it was when my dad came to visit me in Australia. So so one of the things that happened was um, he came. My mother couldn't travel. She she was in a lot of pain and physically couldn't could not make the trip. And so he came to visit me and um, we literally got up. We had breakfast. We took a walk to and we to have lunch with somebody else. And we had like an hour and a half breakfast. We walked and had a two and a half hour lunch. We walked somewhere else and had like a three and a half hour dinner. And my father was like, what is going on here? That, that would never happen here in America. Hardly ever. In the United States. And so 
for me, it was such a glare, his, his noticing of it, because I had been there for several months at that point, his noticing of it was really striking to me because I do think culturally in the US, we go from one thing to the next, right? And we're living at a pace that fundamentally isn't sustainable. And so that's part of what we found out and why the nature of work, in my opinion, is going to significantly change as the world opens back up is because people are starting to figure out how to have an integrated life where, you know, yeah, I had a conference call at nine and at 930, I put a load of laundry in and at 10 o'clock, I cleaned up the guest room, right? People are figuring out how to have a life that actually works for them. And organizations, both religious and otherwise, where if you employ people, you've got to figure out how you're going to deal with people's integration expectations as part of their employment experience. And we've never had that before. I can imagine that there are some people watching who may be having an aha moment when they realize that, you know, listen, my my definition of the dream life isn't working. You know, my the, the the aspirations that my parents set up for me have gotten me in no disrespect, but listen, I'm a parent and I have dreams and aspirations for my kids. But a lot of times those there's a high cost to those aspirations. Um, but can you help that person who is trying to figure it all out? Can you give them some signs that they're that what they're aspiring toward isn't working? You know, we find ourselves in debt, we find ourselves in a, you know, um, in a lot of debt from college, uh, we find ourselves stressed out working nine to five, trying to find trying to find childcare and all that. Can you help us sort all that out and maybe help us get on track? Yeah. So you said a couple of key words there, Babby. The first of which is stressed out. The second of which is having high anxiety. The third of which is feeling overwhelmed. And the fourth yes. of which is recognizing that you are fundamentally not okay right you have some level of depression and if you lived through the last 18 months anywhere in the in the world you should have some level of depression right because we all went through a huge trauma if if you're able to leverage this experience of COVID-19 in particular and all that it brought with it taking a step back to ask yourself what do I really want now not what does Kim Kardashian say I should want? <laughs> Not what did, did my parents say I should want? Not what I think I should want because of the career path I've been on. What do I want? And more often than not, people don't give themselves permission to one, ask that question or to answer it. Yes. More often than not, when they answer it, the answer is not okay with them. So for example, if I use you as the example, Babby, you were a teacher, you were on a path, teaching children and teaching students and doing your education thing. God had this other opportunity over here for you. And you could have easily said, but I I have a master's degree in education and I invested all this time and I have these connections and experience and all of these wonderful things. And I can't go be a singer. I can't do that, (laughs) right? So you know the answer. The answer's just not okay with you. So you've got to get to the place where you can be okay with your answer. And then 
at that moment, at the moment when you get clear and committed, the universe aligns for your success. God says, okay, let's go. But he can't do that until we do our part. Our part is the what. His part is the how. If you're yeah. not clear on the what, you don't get the how. And then you wind well, up spinning your wheels. Well, speaking of the what, uh, you, you have so much, and even the how, I mean, you know, in, in helping us connect to getting um, more resources, getting a fully, you know, a greater understanding as to what gifts we, we have to offer. Um, is there a way that we can follow you online or uh, find your book or find other conferences or uh, follow you in a, in a blog or whatever it is that you're doing online? How can we connect better with you? Absolutely. So on all platforms, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, <laughs> I am Cornelia Shipley. Um, so that's easy. And then um, the, the website is just www.corneliashipley.com. Um, that'll easy. take you to, to where other things are. Um, and, and there's a spot right now, it's under construction. We're doing some reconstruction to it. Um, the other place you can immediately find me is www.3cconsulting.com. And the book is on Amazon. It's also at designyourlifethebook.com. Well, Cornelia, thank you so very much for being my guest today. And listen, it's always so good to connect with you. And this, you know, this is the land where I live, you know, as a singer, you mentioned a moment ago, you know, when I, I quit my job, listen, that was a huge leap of faith. I quit my job as a school teacher, which had a safety net, a retirement, a pension, a, a salary. Uh, but I'll tell you, after doing this for 36 years, I wouldn't have it any other way. So thank you for connecting with me today or reminding me that it's God's plan that we pursue his plan in our dreams. All right. Well, thank you. And thank you um, on behalf of my mother, uh, the late Barbara Shipley for the role that you played in not only her life, but my life and our family's life. So it was good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. Amen. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. Listen, my friends, stick around because after this break, I'm going to come back with some encouraging words for you. And I'll be right back with that encouraging word right after this break. Oh, thank you, my friend, for coming back to Babby's house. It really does my heart so much good to know that you're watching and that I have this opportunity to encourage you in your faith. Uh, I am so blessed to know that God has a purpose and a plan for me. He is, he has a purpose and he's called me on purpose with purpose and for a purpose. And the same thing is true of you, but you know, it took me uh, quite a few years to become comfortable with my purpose and the, the ministry and the gifts that God has given me. And I, early in life, I realized that the voice that God has given me is unique my voice is unique to me. And I don't, sometimes I don't fit that stereotypical sound that a lot of black singers are, you know, the, the definition of a lot of black singers are supposed to have. I don't shout when I, when I sing, I don't scream when I sing. I, I do want to make you happy when I sing, but oftentimes I'll, I'll write songs not only to make you feel good, but also to make you think. And I believe that's the area that God has called me to be in. And that's unique to me. And it took me a long time to become comfortable with that. I remember a day that a lady came to my product table and she said, you know, I was listening to you on the radio and, 
now that I'm here at your concert, I'm surprised to learn that you're that you're black because you sound like a white girl on the radio. Well, you know that used to mess with my head. I used to think I was too black for white people and too white for black people, and I was just gray, that I didn't fit in. But then I began to see God using this gift to bring the body of Christ together. As I look out into the concert and to the audience, I began to see black people and white people and just a beautiful array of the body of Christ. And I began to understand that God gave me this gift so that I could be a bridge bringing the body of Christ together. This is what I want you to know. God has given you unique gifts that are unique just for you. He's given you gifts and talents that are unique just for you. He doesn't want you to blend in among the rest and the best. He wants you to stand out. And so I want to encourage you to become you to become comfortable with those unique gifts that God has given you. I want to challenge you to go to my website and check out a book that I wrote called Fully Qualified, Maximizing Your God-Given Potential. Will you visit my website today? Go to babby.com and check out Fully qualified. And I hope and pray that it will encourage you to use your gifts and talents. I'm reminded of Philippians verse uh, chapter one, verse six, that says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, the Lord bless you, my friend. Thank you so very much for watching Babby's House today. My prayers are with you. I'll pray for you. Will you pray for me? And until the next time we get together right here on Babby's House, my prayer is that the Lord God will bless you and yours real good. Bye-bye for now.